everyone. Welcome along to the March edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined by the two regular members of the crew, James and Tony. Chaps, the sunshine in the towns are flying. Everything must be good in the world. Yes, good. it's getting there, isn't it? Great, Kev. Cheers. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, we've got a, another packed edition of the podcast coming up. Uh, we will reflect on uh, the matches since the last time the three of us were together. Plenty of them to go through. Uh, we'll do a couple of player focuses on two men that shone out in that time. I'll ask the boys what realistically we can expect between now and the remainder of the season. And then we will reflect on some of those matches uh, to come. And then we'll finish off the podcast uh, with a chat about Power Court. We've not spoken about Power Court for a while, but there's been lots of developments on that lately. So I'll get the, vo- the views of the boys regarding that. Okay, chaps. Uh, well, it's going to be mostly a positive podcast, actually, but I suppose we have to start in a non-positive sense because the first game after um, our last podcast was Stoke Away, which, you know, would, nobody really turned up that day, did they, apart from the Stoke players? Because, um, James, I'll come to you. That was a pretty ordinary display. Uh, very much ordinary. Like, nothing happened ordinary. Um, yeah. I think Nathan came out after and he said that that was one of the worst worst performances he's ever had under Luton. Typical on his old stomping ground. So, um, I didn't see him get anything out of Stoke, really. I, I think I'm right in saying that. My memory's never the best, but I think the last podcast, I, bet, I didn't fancy it, but you'd at least want them to have a go, and, uh, and they didn't. So, um, considering the way that the, the matches ended by the time we got to the international break, sort of uh, brushed that one under the carpet a bit, but it wasn't nice at the time. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, like you say as well, obviously a big match for the uh, for the boss on his return to the, um, whatever it's sponsored by now, Bet365, is it Stadium? Um Certainly didn't go to plan, but Tony, the, the good thing about this team, which we always say, and we've said it for the four years that we've done this podcast, when, they, when they're absolutely atrocious, you can guarantee that they bounce back in style. And apart from a 95th minute equaliser, they'll have done exactly that in the following game against Millwall. Yes, yes. Um, the main thing about that game was getting hit with that last gassed equaliser wasn't it that was sickening that that made it feel like a real defeat you know but that's Luton for you isn't it yeah I mean one of the reasons why it felt like such a defeat was because we were in control of the game for the first hour wasn't we it was the full debut yeah. of Adebayo um, he, he was putting himself about a bit everything was sort of working well and then we scored and kind of second half it, it was just sort of backtrack and backtrack once Adebayo put us in front you know you kind of saw us getting so deep that you know they were at the back of the um at the oak road stand by the end and the inevitable came yeah you know and you you, you look at it and you you were going to expect that you know you, you could see Millwall were putting putting the big guns on and, and so they were just going to bombard us at the back and it, it, it was just one of them things and it just shows you um you can't rely on staying at 1-0. You know, you, you, you just can't. Or the, the way our team was set up at the time and who was playing were, you knew, you just knew that we were going to concede. You know, yeah, as soon as Smith came on the pitch. been able to build on that and it was just frustrating, so frustrating. 
yeah, as soon as Smith came on the pitch, you kind of knew what was uh, what was to come. And they always say, don't they, in football, Tony, um, there's a game of two halves. Well, the following game was exactly that. If anyone was a member of our WhatsApp group for this podcast at halftime of that Sheffield Wednesday game, well, I mean, doom and gloom wouldn't have done it justice. That was a pathetic first 45 minutes. But the second oh. 45 minutes that followed was quite incredible. Oh, I know. You know, you were... You know, half time in that following game, a lot of people thinking, "Shall I?" You know what? I give up. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, looking for the nearest noose and thinking, you know, oh my god, you know, why, why does this team make me suffer so much? But you're right. The, the, the second half performance, and it was vital that we scored an early goal in that second half, and we did, and it, it seemed like that stung the team into action. And their pride got to them. And, you know, you, you initially thought that, you know, oh, blimey, you know, um, Nathan must have read the right act to them at half time because you know full well that's what most managers do. But then he, it seemed he pulled a masterstroke and he, when he said that he, he didn't basically say anything to them, he left them to it. So, you know, that obviously the players' pride had been stung. And then to turn that round, and do you know what? That's the second time. I've seen that at home to Sheffield Wednesday, where Sheffield Wednesday had been 2 0 up and seemingly cruising, and Luton come back and beat them 3 2. You know, I, I, I know um, somebody really well who, who is a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and he was sick. He was sick about it, the fact that we were in front and they gave it away. But, you know, once he'd calmed down about it and I had a chat with him, he, he said, uh, you know, um, to be honest, that's what he expects. He's already resigned to relegation. And he, he, he was saying about their club from top to bottom, you know, it's rotten. And uh, I couldn't do anything but sympathise with him because we've been through it ourselves. Yeah, absolutely, we have. Um, yeah, I mean, that second half was as good as the first half was terrible. Oh, and all, it, all, all it missed, really, was a packed kennel end to bring the house down when Adebayo scored the winner. Yeah, and it, and, and, and it was a real... Jekyll and Hyde game, as you say, you know, that you look at that first and you think, how can our team be so bad? And then in the second half, you think, you know, okay, he 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 made a few changes. And you're thinking, why, why couldn't they do this from the off? Why do they put us through it? But having said that, even where we were, it's still a massive improvement on last season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Um, so, you know, that, that is the main thing. And, and and since that result, in the main, we've been okay, haven't we? Yeah, we have indeed. Uh, James, one of the changes that Nathan made in that game, I won't, I won't bring you in on that game because I know you wasn't at that one, but you was at the following one for Knott's Forest. One of the changes that he made was switching from three at the back to the diamond. And that's a the theme of the remaining matches that we're going to cover, uh, starting with that Nottingham Forest game. Obviously, um, Cal Naismith then slotted in at centre half. We'll discuss him in a little while. But we played mm. the we played the diamond. I guess you could say we rode our luck in the first half at Forest. But I think it, overall, over the ninety minutes, I think no one could begrudge us the win there and, and a lovely winning goal from Ryan Tunnicliffe, his second in two games. Yeah, it was really well taken, wasn't it? A great uh, cross from mm. Paddy as well. Not for the first time uh, in this run of games that we've seen. He's he's really. Um, <clears throat> up to his uh, up to his stats on that regard, but 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was gutted that I missed the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, I had a 20th anniversary to to do that. So I, you, you got that. Priorities, James, priorities. Well, exactly, you, you know. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I missed, I, I missed first two games of actually Elijah Adebayo's uh, first two starts. So you were raving about it and then, and then uh, got to the Forest game. And it was a, it was a bit, it, it was quite like all the other away performances, which wasn't in the first half with much to shout over. Uh, shout about but uh yeah I, I thought they deserved it in the end uh, in the second half and um it's good when you can put to bed like really long um winless winless runs at ground certainly and that one was that was stretched back to 1983 last i knew they won there so um uh you know that that shuffle wednesday game was obviously like kevin uh, like tony said it's that sort of spurred them on for the run we saw, but you've also got to go away and and, um, and nick things if you can. And um, you know, one nil is just synonymous with Luton Town away at the moment, isn't it? Every, every single time they've won away um, this season has been has been one nil. So, and you kind of just I, I do fancy them when they do get a, when they do nick ahead away that that's going to be it, and that's really. A testament to how different they are this season to the last season at the back, because I just fancy them to shut teams out, and, uh, and they did. So, um, yeah, there, there was there was a lot in that game, sort of like um, not necessarily of the game, but of, of, of the stats and like little records and um, you know putting um, you know Nathan putting one over his old mentor pursuit and stuff like that. So. Uh, you know, when you're beating teams like Nottingham Forest, you know, albeit they are below Luton, but they're a massive club. So was Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, and if you if you can if you can get one over on them, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a good place, I think. So um, and Luton are they're in a good place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, away from home, when we actually turn up, you know, it's it's easier to get through the Suez Canal than it is our defence at the minute, isn't it? I mean, very, um, very topical. Yeah, we've got to be topical on this thing, you know. That's about as far as I'm going, though, I have to admit, because probably ill-timed that one, because the following game, it was anything but that. But Norwich were, well, we, we thought that Norwich were going to be a class apart um, when, when we spoke about it in the last podcast, and they were probably two classes apart, in fairness to them, particularly up front. Um, but we had our chance in that game, James. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Um when you come up against a team like that, they'll show you what is really required to be a, a team at the top or a team pushing for titles um, and promotions. And there wasn't really a lot in it. Um, you know, they they kept the ball really well and had Luton chasing around, but they weren't like battering Luton uh, for, for, for goal chances. But, you know, when they come, they, they took them. And there's no denying that the first goal was... Pukki's first goal was a really classy finish, um, but then you've got to, you've got to look at the, the second one how he snuck down the back. It's pretty poor, um, and the other one wasn't any great great shakes either. But the, the fact is that they're in those positions, and and Pukki's knocking them in or, or, or scuffing them over the line, or you know whatever it takes to get the goal in. Whereas until the last game. Of, uh, of this run before the international break, 
say James Collins wasn't wasn't having that luck. So, um, you know, maybe that comes with just you know riding uh, a wave of optimism or confidence and whatever it is because they look like they look nailed on to be going up. You know, it's going to be it's going to take something remarkable for them not to go up. Uh, and they're probably just in that vein where everything they hit goes in, but uh, it, it's you, you can't really say it's luck because of where they are and, and how many points ahead they are at the top of the table. So um, you know, I didn't I didn't fancy them getting anything from that either. But um, it was it was as comprehensive really. And sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and go, they were a really good team. Yeah, much the same that we've done to sides in our promotion seasons have. Um seasons gone by I guess the caveat to that game as well was there was a lot of preparation for a match that didn't take place it wasn't there and um, it affected team selection and things like that 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 was the Rotherham game that didn't take place which meant then Tony that we went straight into game against probably or possibly if the league table was anything to go by maybe the second best side in the league in Swansea on the box you wouldn't be able to have told who was pushing for automatic promotion and who was mid-table in that game though thought apart from uh, the first five minutes it was a very well it wasn't a very even game was it Luton actually dominated that game um, mm. just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net yeah <clears throat> I mean that's the second time that's happened to us this season against Swansea in both games home and away we dominated them and we were really unlucky you know um, and and that's just what the championship is that you know um, they've got a class player um, you know and, and they take advantage and that is a sign of a good side as well they're not playing that well when they can still come away with three points so you know um, I, don't, I don't think there was anything to be embarrassed about or be annoyed about yes you know we didn't deserve to lose the game and sometimes in football you don't get what you deserve you know but there were a you know, to use Nathan's expressions, there were a lot of positives to take from that, which there were, you know. So um, I wasn't too disheartened at, the, at, at, at that defeat. Um, you know, there, there's been far worse defeats earlier in the season than this. And it was nice to um, match a, a potential promotion side. So, yeah, I thought it was a great performance by yeah, well, I suppose the saving grace is if you were going to lose that match, at least it... I was going to say, just, it just shows where we're falling down. Is our, yeah. You know, if, yeah, if it, we, was, it was if our we finishing again, that, as you said, that, yeah, that yeah. let us down. It did, yeah. If we were going to lose that match, at least on the positive side of it, it hurts Watford's promotion charge, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, every cloud and yeah. all of that. Um, you <laughs> spoke earlier, James, about firsts and things like that. Um we got a first in the following game, didn't we, against Coventry? James Bree's first goal in professional football. I, I was amazed at that statistic. I think the fella's played close on 100 games now, hasn't he? And for, for all of his clubs, and for that to be his first goal was wow. But I guess the overriding thought coming away from that game is how the hell did we only win that game 2-0? Oh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy game packed with so many... Chances. I mean, even I mean, to Coventry, be fair, they 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 had their they had their fair share themselves, didn't they? It could easily have been eight four or something daft like that. Not, you know, not not an absolute massacre or anything like that. But just well, a, yeah, just a good old fashioned tear up. <laughs> it, it was. Mm. They, they should they should have had three in that first half. But um, Biamu was well off target. Um, 
and, and Luton weren't for once, I suppose, is the opposite of, of the Swansea game, really. But uh, And also their goalie. <laughs> the goalie's gifted James Brewer first ever career goal there, and they really... <laughs> it was a great, it's a great cross and everything, and he's got something on it, but he should be saving that. But, uh, um, yeah, just just battered them, really, in the second period. And uh, I thought it was... I thought it was well... Do you know, they, do you know what, well James? You're saying that. I, I just... They reminded me of what we were like last season, Coventry. Yeah, you're probably right. That, that everything going into the game, they were saying they were sort of looting a year in advance of what Coventry mm. might be. That's, that's probably right. But... Um, you know, they've, they've fashioned some decent chances. I mean, some of it was woeful defending, I mean, you have to say. But, um, mm. you know, you ride your luck, don't you, sometimes? And, um, as much as you don't get what you deserve in some other games, you, you ride your luck in this one. But, uh, I mean, they were well worth it by the end of it. And um, it was well taken penalty by Adebayo. That was his first as well, if you're talking about firsts. He's, he's never scored a penalty in uh, senior football. So, um, I think... That, that result moved, what, Luton 15 points clear of the drop zone. I think um, it was a big win. Mm. I mean, they've, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I think they've beaten all, or got results against all the team below them. And that's really a, a great platform to, in this evolution process that they're going on, isn't it, really? I mean, they've, they've taken some results off the top, some of the top sides as well, but uh, you've really got to be. Mm. <clears throat> beating those teams below you and, and, they, and they did in, in this instance and I think after that result there's a, there's always a little bit of murmurings about oh well we're still not safe and stuff but you're thinking you're pretty much safe there and a, a few results more and then, and then you're almost guaranteed I think but it, it was a big confidence booster for that for that reason yeah no I, I, I agree I think that was the um the night that there was absolutely no sort of going back. I mean, you mentioned the Coventry goalie. The best goalkeeper was the fellow who got sent off, wasn't he? But unfortunately for them, he was playing centre half. But, I mean, it was a, it was a, yeah. it was a great save that he made. To be fair, and he, he he acted well as if he didn't make it. But you know, there was no seeing through that. Mm. You clearly handballed that sunshine off you off your pop. Yeah, um, well, I mean, you knew that there was everything was going Luton's way at that point. You, you play it another half with them. Um, one extra man, and you you should be thinking you've got to win that. I mean, they were quite good for the first fifteen minutes of the second half. You thought, oh, what's going on here? But um, yeah, like if you're talking about like comparison this season and last season, perhaps Luton would have crumbled and folded a bit there. But they they rode out that fifteen minute period that Coventry had, and they, they almost punched themselves out really to use a boxing term, didn't they? And then it was all Luton. Yeah, they they absolutely did. I mean. The miracle of that Coventry game was that they didn't score an own goal because they hit their woodwork three or four times and um, twice you know, in one move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just amazing. Both halves they hit the woodwork. It, it was just incredible. But thankfully, the own goal came when we actually needed it, which was in the last game before the international break. James at um, Preston, another one of these places that we've not won at since time began, and all of this. It's what that stats really weird, isn't it? When you when you end it, it seems like such a great thing, but when you don't end it, oh, well, we've only played there five times in like 50 years or something like that. You, you kind of manipulate it the way you want. But we hadn't won at Preston for a long time. We have now. You mentioned it earlier, James Collins um, getting on the, uh, well, 
getting on the score sheet, not getting on the score sheet, impacting the goal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I will discuss that in a minute, but I just want to um, talk about the performances in that game in particular of Pelly Ruddock and uh, Kiernan Dewsbury Hall, because I think by his standards, Dewsbury Hall had a quiet period in these games that we were talking about. Came to life again in the second half against Coventry and bossed that Preston game. His range of passing was wonderful once he once he found it in that game, um, and it really gave Luton a bit of forward momentum. But for me, Pelly was absolutely fantastic. He was, he yeah, was I outstanding agree. that game, absolutely everywhere, um, popping up with uh, decent defensive work, and then getting forward, bursting forward, picking the right ball for once. Obviously, um, he played the ball in for the for the goal, and that, honestly, how Jusby who isn't celebrating a goal there is. is, is Beyond me, it's an absolutely top draw stay from the goalie. But uh, how James Collins steers that back in is, um, I think on on Quest, on the EFL highlights, Dean Ashton was saying he's meant that. Um, and, you know, he, he's, he was a fairly decent striker, wasn't he? So I'll, I'll take his word for it. But it's so, <laughs> so harsh on him not to give him that goal because to steer that on target from that acute angle is uh, some piece of skill, considering, like, like I've already said, he's he's not had the greatest of luck in, in front of goal of late. But um, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter how they go in, does it? In the end, and uh, that was the you know that's the fifty point mark, and it's such a milestone, isn't it? It's massive um, relief to to reach that. I think a couple of podcasts ago, I said I thought there might be fifty five, probably probably one more win, two more wins, maybe maybe. But this fifty point mark feels like. Everybody can breathe easy now, even though it's not sort of mathematically still possible. It's it, it's like in the same vein, it would take a lot for Norwich not to go up. I think it's going to take one hell of a drop for for Luton to go down. And I was thinking earlier, actually, it, you know, at this sort of stage, um, was it Lee Bowyer giving the big end about Charlton, and then they dropped like a stone. But I think the difference is, and I, I, you know, I don't follow Charlton's results <laughs> religiously, but I think the difference is that Luton bang in form. Uh, whereas obviously Charlton probably weren't, they, and, they, and they fell away and got relegated. So um, it, it, I think it would take a, a, a massive shock for anything um, detrimental to happen now. I think it is, it is definitely what, what Nathan and the players have been saying all along, which is they're looking up. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to expectations for the remainder of the season uh, in a little while. I mean, like you say, Wickham aren't getting 50 points. I mean, they need snookers to get that many. Sheffield Wednesday ain't getting 50 points. They look a terrible side. Um, you know, if, if the rest of them get 50 points, good luck to them. But I don't think we're stopping on 50 points. So um, that, that that's good. Tony, before we move on, uh, this is the kind of point last year where some pandemic came along and everything stopped for three months. So we've now had a whole season of Nathan Jones. If you put the nine games from last season and tack them onto this one, 66 points in that time. So you're comfortably top 10 with um, with that points tally. The difference now from where we were on March the 30th last year is almost impossible to put into words, is it not? Yeah, exactly, Kevin. <clears throat> I mean, you, you've got to turn around and, 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 and credit where it's due. Nathan um, has been great since he's come back. Um, he's turned the side around. He made an immediate impact with us, got us out of the relegation zone, saved us. And you can see 
going forward, the team is vastly superior to the team we had at the beginning of last season. And if you're looking at some of the players, and I know we'll go on to discuss them, but you, you look at, at now the, the turnaround in, in Tunnicliffe. Yeah. You know, it's like That's... having a different player, you know, and uh, he's been putting in some good shifts and he scored a couple of quality goals recently, you know. So I, I, I think you've got to turn around and say that Nathan has been a great success. And excuse me, 2020 um, got it spot on bringing him back. And, you know, ultimately we've got McCarthy to thank for that. You know, I mean, James, um, you're the word. Oh, sorry, go on, Tan. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's all right, Kev. No, I'll, I'll get you later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, you're the wordsmith. There, I hear you put put into words uh, the difference. You know, since Nathan Jones came back, uh, I've just displayed it in 66 points in in a 46 game season. But it feels so much more than that. I think it's one of these. Uh... <laughs> almost uh, unfathomable things, really. I think it's just he is perfect for Luton. Um, it just fits, hand, you know, like a hand in a glove, really. And, um, you know, you, you believe him when he, when he says that he loves the club. Um, you know, you know the, the, the stuff about when he left and when he came back, that's all gone now. Um, you know, for me, it was the moment he did his first press conference and... It felt like a heartfelt apology. So I hope no one is still hanging on to that nonsense. But, you know, I think I saw on, um, on social media the other day a little poll that one of the fan accounts put out just said, you know, where does he rate as the Luton manager? It's one of those eternal pub debates that you can have because, you know, obviously Luton had, you know, 10 golden years in top flight in the 80s. So you've got to look at, you know, David, David Plea and maybe. Uh, John Moore, Ray Arford, obviously won the, the club's biggest honour um, in the Littlewoods Cup. But, you know, in terms of just a, a spell, he's up, he's got to be up there, hasn't he, really? Um, and that's a testament to, you know, the, the style of football he's played, which, it's, in, which incidentally in this little run that we're discussing is starting to come back. And I guess we'll discuss that a bit further coming along but you know the, the the way that he's galvanized the football club and the, the football he's played to shoot up two divisions albeit you know the second half of the league one season it was it was McCarthy but he was doing it with um with Nathan's team and Nathan's philosophy really um and you know to come in and, and save the club last season uh, at this stage game wise was a miracle. I thought. I thought they were dead and buried uh, before that nine-game stretch. I thought they were dead and buried after they didn't get a result against Barnsley. Various points in that, but you know they, they nicked great wins against uh, you know up at, up at Swansea and all those little one nils that started this little run that, that they seem to be on and the way they win away games and just the just the way that they. Everything sort of fell into place. So, you know, obviously, Kazenga Lotalo's goal at Hull was a, a massive uh, boost that going into that last game, you felt that it was achievable, but they still had to do it. Um, I think it's, yeah, it, it, it's just been absolutely remarkable what he's been able to achieve, considering what Tony also said, that some the players that they've got are still some of the players that weren't um, pulling up um, 
trees last season and he's got on he's got on playing you know he's he's sorted out the defense and that's the platform you've got to do that's what all the decent managers do when they come into a, a club or most clubs unless you're sort of around Madrid or whatever you sort out the defense and build from there he's done that and he's got some great defensive options now then you try and build a more attacking brand of football. He, he knows how to do it because he's done it in the lower leagues. They've started to do that. You sign players that can get you the goals. He's signed that and he's, he's, he's found, you know, that's not all him, by the way, and he admits that. But, mm. but the player that he's bought, Elijah Adebayo, who's come in, hit the ground, he's scoring goals and he, he looks a treat. Obviously, we'll talk about him as well. So it's, um, you know, every manager in football will come in and say, we've got a plan and do like this uh, and it, this is how it will work. And, but it doesn't always work out. You know, there can be a myriad of different factors. I think it's all about, in Luton's case, I think it's about galvanising the, the team right from the staff and the players. They all seem to buy into the same thing and then going from there. But everything that they... Him and the board, that's everything they set themselves. They seem to reach and they, the targets that they set, they seem to uh, reach and, and do better than. You know, he always trots out this um, line about how they've always improved from the season before. And I don't begrudge them saying that all the time because they have and it's worth repeating. <laughs> and um, and they, they've done so this time. But they, it, it's not a small jump. You know, I know people can moan when you lose a game and stuff but to to go to the last game of the season in the win last season to stay up to being absolutely comfortable with you know almost a quarter of the season left that's a remarkable achievement and um yeah i mean i, I suppose it, you, you probably would judge it even more at the end of the season but to get to this point and be on 50 points and like you said, that statistic of 66 in the whole period of games that he's had would be you know, pushing on promote uh, playoff form. Um, it, it, you sometimes you really have to step back and say, look where Luton have come from. You really have to understand that the, the, the swift journey that they've been on, you know, they probably, this probably should have been their first season in the championship, really, if things are going to plan. I think that him and the board were always saying that, that they got into the championship probably the season ahead of schedule, but you've got to play the cards you dealt. And they've they've had a rough ride last season, figured it out, and now it feels like, yeah, Luton can be a championship side um, and establish themselves in this division. And if they're already looking up the table now, after a bit of season, a, a summer of recruitment, and a bit more work, then um, it's looking really positive. And you know, he's, made, he's a massive, he's a massive part of that. So um, that's a that's a really long answer to say that he's done really yeah. well, isn't he? I, I I think James add into it as well. I look at it, and I I think Nathan has has learnt from his time at Stoke, mm -hmm. and I think we're getting the benefit of that now because he's. He's come back and I think he's a better manager compared to what he was the first time round. I think he's a much better manager now. He's learnt and uh, it, he's turned us from championship new boys. We're, we're an established championship side now. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the players he's adding, 
uh, he's brought in and, and, and has given us a bit more nous. You know, um, I know we're going to talk about um, certain players, but um, you know, and it, and it's true what they what the, what they say. I mean, we realistically, when you look at it and you look at budgets and and the amount of money we've got to to spend on players, we are punching above our weight at the moment. But you remember the championship or league division two, as it was once upon a time, is basically Luton's natural home. It's about where in the pyramid historically we should be. Okay. Mm. But it just shows you as time goes on and we are, we're going to be bringing more money in because the longer we stay in the championship, we're going to develop. And I, I look at it and I think some of the players that we had, it just took them a whole season to adjust to the level we're at. And I think we've got potential. And the great thing about Nathan, Mick, and where we are as a team, we're going to see is a very, very, you know, okay, we're not the best wage payers in the league, you know, uh, and that's not something that we don't, you know, we want to be. But young, exciting players are going to see us as a great stepping stone. It's such a recruitment thing for us as well, because you look at those players and it's true what they say. They will run through brick walls for Nathan. And the only other Luton manager I've seen that is when Jimmy Ryan took over the side and was our manager. The same impact. He can motivate them. Nathan can motivate them. So, yeah, I think I Stokes losses our game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting, actually, James, that you mentioned about that um, poll on one of the fan accounts. And uh, maybe we'll touch on it in the next podcast because I had something similar. I, I posted after the Preston game that. Um, there's never been a better time to be a hatter and someone came back to me and said well what about the 80s that was a better time to be a hatter or maybe in terms of who we were beating and what we were beating and things like that but football's different now and uh, whether we like it or not you know there are weight levels in foot within football and we are punching well above ours right now and that's just how it is but what is um What's been eye-catching for me as this season's gone on, and this is a good time to reflect on it because it's an international break, is like you say, the defence was sorted out first and goals were harder to come by. And, and there were games where we didn't look like scoring in a month of Sundays. But now the football and the style and the creativity, and it's all coming back in since since we moved to that diamond in that second half against Sheffield Wednesday. We've we've not really deviated from it too much. And we and and in that period. Nathan, actually, I can't remember if it was you or someone else brought it up, James, but he was asked directly, wasn't he, about the diamond formation? And he said that that is, you know, the, the final point of the evolution, so to speak, to, to get back into that. And um, that would suggest to me, and there'll be a column on it in, in your website later this week, that that's <laughs> the really exciting thing to look forward to over the next 18 months. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would think so. I mean, um... That was that was the style that swept through those two divisions, the, the the two lower divisions. It was so exciting, and there's obvious reasons as to why that that couldn't carry on. Obviously, Luton sold the, the two um, architects of of that style of play for massive money. You know, nobody begrudged them that. Um, and just a quick word on James Justin. Actually, it's, it's, it's gutted for the lad that he's injured because I reckon he would have been nailed on for the Euros. And then um, Tony was talking about young, exciting players. Um, if he'd have 
made if he he'd got in the England team and played in the US, then that would that would have like turbocharged that um, that viewpoint I think, yeah. among young players that he can go through Luton and end up in England. I mean, he, if he carries on when he comes back in the same vein, I've no doubt he'll play. But it's just he's gutting for him. But um, so yeah, uh, yeah, he'll go to the World Cup him, instead of the Euros, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. Class, but, um, Class, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he's wonderful. So yes, but to get back to the point, you know, those two went and they, they didn't have those, they didn't have the players that could operate that system. And and, and even then, you you are coming into a new division that you haven't been in for twelve years uh, against some heavy hitters and some big earners and trying to play that sort of same style of um, attacking football. Uh, might have even been difficult with them. You never know. It's one of those eternal questions. I mean, I like to think they would have um, had a bit more about them um, going in. But obviously, the manager changed as well, and he came in with his own ideas. Um, so, so to be in that position now, and also the points position there, to have 50 points on the board now and have a nine-game run at this division where you can have almost the shackles off, uh, you know, the, the, the monkey of relegation is off your back and you, you can deploy this familiar uh, formation that most of the players in that squad will be used to and will have enjoyed. Uh, it is it, a really sort of mouth-watering prospect um, and it, it's worked a treat so far uh, in the games that he, he, he's played it. Um, it's that that formation has 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 really suited the likes of Jordan Clark, who's made a you know I, it's unlucky for Dan Potts, I, I think, but when he comes back out of his injury, I don't think he'll get back in because you know, Jordan Clark's really made that position his own at the minute, and he's given Luton that more attacking spirit going forward, and he, he's been up there, if not the man of the match, a couple of games that he's played in that position. Uh, and that's what James Bree was brought in for. And obviously he's at a stop-start season. Um, he's now coming back and, you know, hoping to get back to his best. So if you can use this run to, to find that and then that the next season. And you've got the nucleus of that old uh, familiar style that they can adopt. And then with that added bonus of... Uh, Elijah up top, um, who's, who's given so many more dimensions to what Luton can achieve in, in an attacking sense. Um, yeah, it's really exciting to, to see what they can do. And obviously, they're hopefully going to add players as well um, in, in the summer. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, think it's what, I think it's what everybody wants to see. Every, every sort of club convinces themselves they've got a style of football, like the West Ham way or something like that. But Nathan Jones brought that in and we're so used to it and we loved it. And then it just, you know, with his, de with his departure and the promotion and the new manager, it just went and it wasn't there. It wasn't the same. It seems to be getting back that way now. And who wouldn't want that? Absolutely. And not only is it getting back, but hopefully it's going to get back with fans watching it in the stadiums next season if uh, the roadmap that we're currently going on is right. Okay, let's move on to some player focuses then. I mean, we've probably mentioned seven or eight players who really and truly we could have done focuses on because their form's been fantastic. You know, 
honorary mentions, like you say, James goes to Jordan Clark, Ryan Tunnicliffe's been superb, Pelly Rudder-Kampanzu, you know, um, even even behind them, you know, Simon Slug has been good, Matty Pearson we've given a bit of stick to from time to time on this podcast, been very, very good as well. Uh, but, we, you know, we're, we're going to keep it to two. We may cover the some of those other players sort of over the remainder of the season. But I want to start with Elijah Adebayo, um, Tony, because we had him on the podcast earlier in the month. Um, really good kid. You mm-hmm. can tell he's a really good kid just from chatting to him on that podcast. Uh, within two minutes of talking to him, I knew that he was a he was a nice kid. That was before we, you know, we even started podcast just while I was doing the sort of um, getting to know him before we started sort of thing. A really engaging chap. And um, boy, has he made an impact in the side. Mm. Yeah, the best impact since Andre Gray, I think. Um, he's you look at him and your first thought in seeing him play, you'd think, well, he's a beanpole and he's got to be a cart horse. You know, that's what you'd look, but he isn't. Um, he can put himself about. He challenges. Defenders know him there. And I'll tell you what, he's got some great close control. His footwork is excellent. You, you've looked at a few times where, you know, he's got onto the edge of the penalty area and he's taken it round players. And he's left them, you know. Um, the only thing I, I, I would say about him, I think he's probably still in that um, situation where he, he, he's trying to acclimatise and to the championship. And it, it will take, it's a, step, it's a huge step up from League Two. And I look at it and I, I, I see what impact he's had. And uh, I'm thinking when he gets to grips with the championship, and he's had coaching from Mick as he's getting, and he gets his heading technique right. I mean, that goal for the, the, the winner against Sheffield Wednesday, that's a cracking header. And I, and I think we have got a player on our hands there. I think that was, you know, both Elijah and uh, Naismith were excellent acquisitions during the window. And they've added so much to our side. You, you know, up front, we've got present. Because at one time, you'd look at it, and when we were playing forward, you think, where's the goals coming from? Now we, we've got that. And Naismith, since he's moved into centre-back, it's, it's looked fantastic. But with Elijah, you know, up front, he um, does cause havoc. And, you know, I think if you look at it with his potential... We might have another McCarthy on our hands. Um, uh, James, you mentioned earlier that um, I was ranting and raving about him in the match reports that I did for you. Uh, I wrote a column about him as well, didn't I? And I said exactly what Tony's just said there, that we've got another McCarthy, Steve Howard, on our hands. Got a little bit of stick for that. But thankfully, the fella scored uh, the winner against Sheffield Wednesday and that, you know, it was almost instantaneous um, Aged very well, didn't it? I think that's the phrase these days, isn't it? It it did. It did age very well. Uh, The one thing that came out of the podcast that we did with him, which if I didn't have a back on the seat that I was sitting in when I did it, I would have fell straight off of my seat, was that he started life as a centre-half. Did not see that Mm. coming at all. Kept that curveball to himself Mm. until the point where he released it in the podcast. I'd done all this research on him. I'd known all of this, and then he threw that at me, and I was like, okay. Is he serious? And then he started talking about his progression. And actually, what that's given him, 
from my point of view, what I see in it that it's given him is a football intellect that you don't always get from 22, 23 year olds. Yeah, yeah I mean, you could be right there. Um, obviously, you, you know what, you know probably more than most about what a defender might be doing. I mean, he wasn't playing part football as a defender, he was in the Fulham Academy as well. So, and he was under Mark Pembridge as well, so um, ex Luton um, midfielder. So, he got a good grounding from him, he said. Um, although it wasn't Mark that suggested he move up to striker, but um, the, the two fellas that did, I forget their names. Um, Steve Wigley was one, wasn't uh, it? I can't remember. Quite, uh, that's right, yeah. And, and you know, su suggesting that he, he, had, he had something. Obviously, you've got to improve it. I think he's banging in goals for fun. And just in, in, in the same vein that when you get to Luton, you know, a, a striker needs a goal for confidence a lot of the time. And to have got one in his first start, you know, his, his first few starts were, uh, his first few games, sorry, were cameos with the bench and it's hard to judge there. But to make an impact when you give him your first start like that, I mean, essentially, he's essentially it's Collins out of the team moment, isn't he? Because he, he's playing so well. Um, and, and that gives you huge amounts of uh, confidence. Considering you jumped up two divisions from League Two, I think I saw um, I saw a stat that Walsall's expected goals or something has has plummeted since he's left, which which says a lot about his his talents. Um, but yeah, everything that Tony said is is bang on. And if if they're saying that he's a raw talent still. When he when he stops being raw, he's going to be dangerous. Um, but he, he is he is great. He holds the ball up well. And he, he gives something. He gives defenders to think about something to think about. If you remember that Cardiff game where they've got two giants at centre back, um, they they clattered into James Collins' early doors, letting those there, and then they they, they won every battle from that point on. You stick Elijah up against him. I know he came on in that game, but if, from from the off, I don't think they do that, and I don't think they dominate in the same way because he gives defenders something to think about in that regard. And he's excellent in holding the ball up, like like Tony says, his footwork's really good. But what does impress me is, and you need this in the championship. I think it's why Luton have, have progressed so quickly in this little period of games in an attacking sense. Is that he can get on the turn and he's got this one or two yard bit of pace that gets you past the defender, uh, whether that be in sort of on the halfway line or in tight areas, got to the byline a couple of times and pulled, pulled things back and probably should have had a couple of assists if, if Jordan Clark was a bit more sort of on target. Um, so he, he, he's got the lot, and if they can hone that even more, then blimey, um, it's, it's going to be next season, is going to be some ride. Yeah, I think he mentioned it, didn't he, that he knows the areas that he has to improve on and uh, he's going to look to do that. And like you say, from the starting point that he's at, I mean, uh, any improvement is certainly going to um, do us good. He, he, he seems like the kind of player that you can play alongside as a striker. He seems like the kind of player that can play one up top if if there are games you know, going forward that we do need to play one up top. And, you know, he, I always like a player who, comes out of a big academy and, and has to do it the hard way to get back to, you know, I mean, most of our squad have done it, haven't they? They've had to go down to League Two or non-league and 
learn what it's all about and fight back. I think that gives you a little bit more hunger. And uh, I'm I sure fans, be... it, I think fans like that as well. If you think back yeah. to like Cam McGeehan did that, didn't he? He just, yeah. you know, he could have just sat in the Chelsea or slash Norwich. You, I think it says a lot about a person if they're prepared to do it as well, particularly in these days, because you don't just go in the academy these days, wash someone's boots and then play a game on a Saturday, do you? No. You get paid an astronomical amount of money. There's just probably people in the asking. Fulham Academy getting paid more than the top right uh, on the wage bill at Luton, to be honest. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, to be prepared to do that, I, th- I always think that's a that's a good thing. I, I like what, I, what I've seen from... Um, Elijah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing his progress, particularly next season when we can all follow it at closer quarters. Um, Tony, you mentioned uh, Cal Naismith. I mean, mm-hmm. there were lots of talk on social media in his first two or three games, and this isn't a dig at social media, even though it should be, uh, that, you know, what is he, who is he, what the hell have we signed him for kind of thing. But it's, it's more of a sort of indictment and don't judge a player over two or three games. Give him two or three weeks stroke months to settle into his work and then you'll find out about a player because we've got a player now that's already played left wing back for Luton he's already played left back he's played left wing he popped up on the right wing at Chelsea and now he's establishing himself as a centre half I've actually seen pictures of him with Portsmouth's goalkeeper shirt on so I know he can play there as well I mean this bloke can seemingly do the lot but he's really impressed since he's gone to centre half oh god yes you, you, I mean, I, I've, you're talking to other fans when he first joined us and he made appearances. He, he didn't look really any great shapes, did he? It was just like work and, workman-like performances. But since he's gone in at centre-back, and, and you look at it, and I, I suppose in some cases an, an emergency centre-back, he has been absolutely brilliant. He can read the game. I think, you know, I haven't seen a forward really that's got much out of him up front. Um, mate, you know, uh, and he, 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 he's played alongside Matty Pearson and he's made Matty Pearson look a much better player. I'm actually, I, I, I can't wait to see him play alongside uh, Lockyer when Lockyer's back. You know, I, I, I think we'll, you know, have um, a much better centre-back pair in there and, and you know he, he, he can play with Bradley I mean during the transfer window we were looking at and you know Preston sniffing around Bradley and, and you thought you know you don't want him to go we don't need I still wouldn't want uh, Bradley to go but the thing is if he did I'd be looking at it and saying well it's not such a blow actually um, you know we've got replacement players there and I know Wigan fans were pig sick when he came to us and they lost him but I can always, you know, I can remember him playing for Rangers um, and other clubs, and he always looked a decent player. We, you always got a shift out of him, and uh, he he's one of these players that he rarely puts a foot wrong. He has he has done it a couple of times. I mean, I can't remember which game it was, but when he took that free kick quickly and gave the ball away, luckily enough, nothing came of it. But you know. Um, generally he's fine and and sometimes you need a, a, a player like that to calm things down at the back and 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 control it and organize it as well and he's doing that and and uh, i i think he's shown his true class and he, he's looked fantastic so fair play to the guy yeah absolutely uh james i think 
at this stage, we'd only sort of see him as a stand-in centre-half, wouldn't we? You wouldn't want him sort of playing 46 games there. But, you know, if you do get injuries to Sonny Bradley or Tom Lockyer or whoever else may be centre-half in the future, he's a he's a handy player to have. I mean, you we saw the best and uh, not, not necessarily the worst of him, but you we saw that he was only a stand-in fixture at centre-half against Coventry, didn't we? You mentioned positionally a couple of times. Uh, he was out of position, but I thought at Notts Forest in particular, he was almost foot perfect in that game. So, you know, he 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 seems to be a more than adequate option there. Yeah, I, it looks so. I mean, I, I think it's important to say it's not Franz Beckenbauer, uh, <laughs> as, as a reference for the kids, isn't it? But, are you, are, are um, you not having this Caldini? You know, his his um, positional uh, sense against Coventry was a, as, as a bit off, and then he, he's. he's not, He's not covered himself in glory for the Swansea goal, but mm. he's come in and he's not like a fish apple uh, playing in that position against some decent strikers in, in the championship. And um, yeah, it's, it's a testament to this little period, again, that we're talking about, that Newton have done so well without their first choice centre-back pairing, which had been very good until Lockyer and Sammy Bradley got injured. Um, so, it, you know, I alluded to it earlier that they've got some strength and depth there at the back now, should they need it. So, um, but yeah, what, what he has done um, is uh, sort of made it, made that transition from the first choice centre-backs disappearing to him coming in made that look quite smooth and you've not really been worried uh, and that's probably the biggest testament to his abilities I think he does read the game well as well and the fact that he's played left wing um he's played everywhere he? but the fact that he's played in more attacking roles means that when he does get the ball his distribution is quite well uh, quite good sorry either that or he's, he's quite comfortable in running out with the ball and trying to make things happen in that regard. So um, it, it is a, it does seem a really shrewd move. I mean, I thought he played really well in his first couple of games. I took a couple of pelters on social media. Um, you know, I don't know, obviously I don't know what sort of um, coverage the TV, the iPhone has given, but I was sort of sat in Kenilworth Road and him and Dan Potts linked up really well. Um, and sort of said as much and took a couple of pelters for, for saying he played well because again what are you seeing in this guy because he's rubbish and but it's not it wasn't my experience of, of what he was like he it was he was pretty solid but he's he's kicked on a bit more and that's probably you know settling in um and to get you know to get him for free that's a pretty good bit of business isn't it really? and also the fact that you can play literally every position on the pitch when it comes to players staying and players going in the summer and players coming in, you know, the fact that he can cover a few positions may mean that we can use the wages that we might have needed on those particular players in the more important areas that need strengthening, i.e. left back, wherever else anyone else sort of, sort of mm -hmm. thinks. You know, we've kind of got a player there that for one set of wages can cover four sets of wages in terms of the four players that he can cover for sort of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really valuable. I mean, if you, if you had to spend a bit of money to get him in, it'd still be worth it. But the fact that they've got him in for nothing 
it's uh, some bit of business really so um yeah you can do that i mean you know there were some stories today as we record this on tuesday that uh, preston is still sniffing around bradley and they're also sniffing around james collins really but they've you know like tony i wouldn't like to see either of them go but if they do then um it, you know it won't be a monumental blow obviously james collins is still the top goal scorer um and I know a lot of people have been on this case a bit uh, this this season. So I'd like him to stay, but you've got to also look at it a bit realistically that he's 30 years old. And if somebody's going to pay him more money, this is probably going to be his last big contract, isn't it? So that, that could factor. Yeah. Um, I know that's a completely different, probably a different area than what Cal Naismith's going to fill in. But if Bradley goes with him, or if the two players, sorry, if the two players go, then the Nathan's can be there to, to fill in. It it doesn't. It just makes you think that when the summer comes, and if if the worst happens, it's not going to really be that bad. No, exactly, and obviously there'll be plans in place, um, things like that, and uh, what will be will be uh, interesting. Those Collins um, rumours coming out uh, today about being pressed, and I've also heard rumours over the weekend about MLS clubs being interested in him. I was going to say if he's got his eyes on the World Cup next year, then he might want to move. But if they can't beat Luxembourg, no offence, but you're not going to the World Cup, are you? So um, <laughs> we will move on from that. Right, that's it for the first episode of the um, podcast. I should have mentioned at the start that we're doing them in two parts. Uh, from now on, it seems to be much, much more popular with you guys. Um, so we're more than happy to facilitate that. Uh, part two will be along shortly, where you will hear uh, the expectations for the rest of the season, uh, a few of the matches to come, and we'll have a good chat about Power Court and Newlands Park. But for part one of the podcast, thanks for listening. We are the